0: My friends, it is a joy to be invited back to worship with your community this morning. But I admit, I don't really like the gospel today. I don't love the story of Mary and Martha. Most of us already know if we're more like Mary or if we're more like Martha. Do we sit at Jesus' feet or are we distracted by a lot of jobs? And it seems to me that no matter how nice they try to be about it, most of the sermons and the commentaries and the things that are written about this passage, they seem to say, yay for Mary and boo for Martha. And any niceties about how Jesus says that doesn't really say that Martha's work isn't important. It's just that Mary has chosen the better part still seems like a bit of a put down, and kind of a condescending one at that. And what ends up happening is that good people, especially women and workers, are left looking or feeling bad about the work that they do or the kind of person that they are. I think that most of the people who work in the kitchen, who polish the silver, empty the bedpans or take out the garbage, already know that their work isn't glamorous or revered or considered important. They don't need Jesus or the church or another Sunday sermon to tell them that. But I'll tell you something. The Gospel of Luke is the only place where we hear this story. Five verses long, and barely a hundred words. Did you notice it was the shortest reading today? But a whole lot of energy from the church has gone into explaining why Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus was the better part, and why Martha's work was not. Usually the passage has been used to interpret it to apply to the, the contemplative life and the active life. And Martha has suffered a great deal in caricature or kind of making her into a cartoon to make a point. She's been described as bustling, scatterbrained, small-minded, passive-aggressive, a big complainer, a workaholic, over-functioning, quarrelsome, and what's more, she talks too much. Have you ever heard anybody described that way? Now, some more recent biblical interpretation looks at this passage a little bit differently. Elizabeth Schussler Fiorenza says that this passage dates from a time in the early church, and it refers to controversy over the leadership of women. Martha, who is active in table service, is chastened while Mary, who sits quietly, is praised. So in short, the author of the Luke gospel uses the voice of Jesus to limit women's leadership roles. Now other interpreters say exactly the opposite. They point out that Mary of Bethany is described several times in scripture at or near the feet of Jesus and that sitting at the teacher's feet is the place of a male disciple and the closest disciple. These scholars say that Jesus is praising Mary for acting in a way that is against the expectations of women for that time. Now still other interpreters take a kind of middle road and they say we need to look at this story right alongside last week's gospel you remember last week's gospel? The story about the Samaritan. And when the passages are read together, we see how Jesus shocks the people who listen to him by holding up two really unlikely characters as models. A Samaritan man, a real outsider, and an uppity woman. Examples of what it means to do the word of God, the Samaritan, and to hear the word of God, Mary. So both the active and the contemplative way of life are praised. At least that's what the, the middle of the road people say. Both of those are good. All of those ways of reading Mary and Martha are faithful, they're based on good scholarship, and they're true to the text. They're not people importing their own agenda. But none of them really does it for me. Because to me, Martha's question, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself, speaks the loudest, and it sticks with me the longest. Probably sticks with me because of the kind of person that I am. I know what it's like to have assigned myself too large a task and then be mad because other people aren't helping me do it but it also sticks with me because Jesus and Luke don't answer a key question. If the better part is sitting at the feet of Jesus, how's the work gonna get done? In the life of Jesus and in the Gospel of Luke particularly, eating and who you eat with is a big deal. One commentator has said that in Luke, Jesus is either on his way to a meal eating, or just coming from a meal. Harry Meyer of Vancouver School of Theology says that in Luke, Jesus is feasting all the way to Jerusalem. But apart from this passage, precious little is said about how the food actually gets to the table. Now the passage begins as they went on their way. And from the preceding verses, we see that Jesus is traveling with a group of disciples. They went on their way. So this is not a case of Martha adding one more plate for Jesus to join in dinner. If Jesus is following the pattern that was set out in the previous parts of the gospel, He's coming with a team of disciples, and they're going to be there for a period of days. He and his followers will make his host's house a base of operation for eating, drinking, sleeping, and healing. So the circus has come to town, and it's come to Martha's house. The itinerant kingdom movement, the Jesus Way, was absolutely dependent on the hospitality of Martha and women like her who opened their homes. Now the passage, the, the Greek words are a little bit of a dictionary for stress and anxiety. Anybody here familiar with stress and anxiety? <laughs> Only two verses, there are four different words that describe different kinds of worry. First of all, Martha is described as distracted by her work, using a Greek word that means to be pulled in all different directions. I don't know if anybody here has felt like that before. And so she asks Jesus, and not very gently, don't you care? Aren't you concerned? This is a related word that's used in the previous story care and concern are what the Samaritan offers the injured man. Then Jesus responds using two synonyms and they're translated in the reading that we had today as Martha, you are worried and distracted. The first word is the one that appears in the passage about lilies of the field. Which one of you by worrying could add a day to your lives. And then the second word, it only appears here in the New Testament, but it appears elsewhere in Greek literature, but it's a little bit more ambiguous. The other word, the words like it refer to chaos and the noise of crowds. And so some translators take this to mean, Martha's making a big fuss. She's being really loud about her problems. But there are other interpretations that I think are more accurate that see the crowds and the chaos as the voices and the social expectations and the real practical demands of a dozen or more people who showed up for dinner. Those are the things that are pulling her in all those directions. So what is the work that Martha does? Often preachers will, will trivialize or make small Martha's work by saying, oh, Jesus doesn't care if the flower arrangement isn't perfect or if the meal's a little bit late getting to the table. Scripture doesn't tell us what tasks she performs. However, the words diakonia and diaconio are critical. The words mean serving often serving a meal. And in the first part of Luke, diakonia is done by women. It's associated with the work of hospitality. Peter's mother, the women who provide for Jesus out of their resources. According to Jennifer Schrock, after this passage, after this point in Luke, the meaning of the word changes slightly. And instead of only being associated with women and hospitality and the kitchen, it becomes a broader term for service that both men and women are enjoined to participate in. Diaconio is no longer just something that the church ladies are supposed to do and be quiet about. Service is a core aspect of discipleship. It's not an add-on or a corrective to keep us humble but an integral part of what it means to seek God's kingdom. Then in later texts, diakonio comes to mean explicitly serving at the liturgical table. It's about priest work. It's the source of the English word deacon. Jesus never says how the necessary work is going to get done. But the way the word changes seems to suggest that maybe Jesus' ideas about discipleship changed and grew. And maybe ours do too. I don't have any doubt that the author of Luke would have liked the women in the early Jesus community to tone it down just a little bit. The ones who spoke out and exercised liturgical leadership could have put their heads down and and not got the attention of Roman authorities. But it seems like the kingdom movement, the Jesus community, was characterized by a certain disregard for gender expectations. The story of Mary and Martha and the importance of Diaconio means that for Christians, There isn't women's work and men's work anymore. There isn't dirty work, or lowly work, or servant's work, or unimportant work. Only the work that all of us share together. To prepare and serve and eat, to give and receive hospitality at the altar, in the church hall, in our homes, in the tables at restaurants, at food banks, at soup kitchens. When we leave this table, we are to continue to both do and hear the word of God together. The heart of the passage is deceptively simple. The church has been trying and failing to live this out for 2,000 years. To serve alone, tears us apart, but to serve together requires us to leave behind our attachment to status and power and notions of what's appropriate for people like us, whatever our gender, our class, our education, or our station. The heart of the passage is deceptively simple. We must leave the communion table to do and to hear the word of God together, amen.